Welcome to day 127 of Shaped by the Word. I'm Paul Kemp here with uh, Matt Kresge and Katie Kresge. We continue our journey through the New Testament, and we've arrived at Peter's writings. We've uh, paired Peter with Mark because uh, Peter was uh, and Mark were companions in the gospel, and many believe that Mark's version of the gospel was the one that he received from Peter and put put down into words after Peter had uh, passed off the scene. So we have you know Peter you know coming close to the end of his life. He's writing to a church that is suffering, and so the emphasis in First uh, Peter is very much centered on enduring suffering and allowing the grace of God to work in and through suffering to bring us to maturity in in, in Christ. So uh, we come to uh, chapter 2, uh, but before we come to chapter 2 and uh, begin to read 2 and 3, let's offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Uh, Kitty, you mind lifting us up? Yeah. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the gift of a new day, and, um, and thank you for your word and your promise that you meet us where we are, that you are with us to the very end of the age. And um, so as we read this book and these chapters today, um, would you encourage our hearts if, if our hearts are feeling a bit weary? Um, would you convict our hearts, Holy Spirit, where we um, have chosen to strive after things um, and fill our hearts with things that aren't of you um, or that maybe are gifts from you, but we have treated them um, with more value than, than we treat you. Um, so forgive us for for doing that and and just use your word today um, to bring us to conviction and to confession and um, repentance as we as we walk closer and closer to you it's in Christ's name we pray amen when we come uh, to chapter two we uh, come to one of those unfortunate starting points because we have uh, really <clears throat> jumped in in the middle of a section uh, the verse numbers and the chapter numbers were, of course, not a part of the original you know, manuscript. Peter didn't write for a little while, then put a number in, and then <laughs> write for a little while and put a number in. They were added later so that the church could be in unison as they turned into Scripture and read Scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, we're coming in in the middle of a section, so I'm going to grab part of the previous section from chapter 1 in order to bring this in a little bit more smoothly. So I'm going to go back to, uh, to verse 22, and then we'll read through 2 and 3. 1 Peter 1, 22. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever, and this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted, the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay in Zion, a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become a cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they did not, and because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. 
But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you've returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives, when they see the purity and the reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past, who put their hope in God, used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abram and called him her Lord. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears attentive to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil, who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats and do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. 
After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes a baptism that now saves you. Oh, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven as God's right hand, with angels, authorities, and powers, in submission to him. Mm. There's well, a lot there. <laughs> there, is, there, is, there is a lot. And, of course, we added a couple of extra paragraphs from chapter 1 yeah. <laughs> as well. And that's one of the things that's so wonderful about Peter. We usually, you know, in the church, you know, turn to Paul as our primary theologian. Uh, we turn you know, to the Gospels, you know, for our story. And, obviously, the teaching of Christ to form us into the image of Christ. Uh, but Paul is, you know, kind of our chief explainer of the gospel, the implications of the gospel and the resurrection. But Peter does a wonderful job of bringing these Old Testament images, mm-hmm. you know, forward. And he is quite a capable theologian. And you're amazed when you read this, you know, that this is this is a guy who's by profession was fisherman, you know, a guy with you know rough hands and and, and probably rough speeches as, as, as well. Mm-hmm. There are several occasions in Scripture that we find him saying things he shouldn't have said acting rashly, uh, but here in uh, his letters, we see some real depth and, mm-hmm. and real maturity mm-hmm. um, as he writes. There's, you know how like on the um, Olympics, like when you watch the Olympics and they give you the backstory about some athlete and you didn't care about the athlete before, but after watching the backstory, you deeply care about whether they win or not. I feel like that's kind of how I feel when I read Peter's letters because I know his backstory in in the Gospels and in Acts. And so when I read what he writes, I having his backstory really kind of puts it in perspective for me. And you're right, like the maturity. But before that, you really didn't like him. I mean, when, before, you, when, when you knew him before yeah, the Gospels. Yeah, kind of annoying. Yeah, right? kind of <laughs> <laughs> no, just yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's all so helpful. And I, I feel like First Peter is where I come when I need a little bit of encouragement um, to continue to endure and to continue to press into Jesus, especially when he talks about suffering over like a couple of times in this passage. He talks about suffering um, being better than uh, or like even when he's talking about slaves. Um, and to, but how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and endure it, that's commendable before God. Um, and then later on in chapter three, he talks about the same thing for it is better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. And then he goes on to talk about how Christ suffered for us. So if you are finding yourself in the midst of suffering, like this is such a great passage. Um, to read and to meditate on because it's God's will for us to suffer for his glory and it and it sharpens us and shapes us and can be good for us somehow. And there's an important little you know, truth as he's embedded in there. He said, uh, to this you were called because Christ suffered mm-hmm. for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. So part of the call of the Christian life is into this imperfect world. We are to live lives that are extraordinary you know, among the pagans, so that in the day that he visits us, there will be an awe of our love for him and the way that we have been a reflection of his heart and character and the way that we've conducted ourselves. Uh, So he does give us a a ragged world that is full of suffering, full of, you know, uh, slave masters who are not always going to be fair, husbands Mm -hmm. that are not always Mm -hmm. uh, going to, you know, be gentle. 
and yet calls us to adorn ourselves in a completely you know different way mm. uh, and to conduct ourselves in a completely yeah. different way and, uh, and of course the nice little call you know not to uh, use the freedom that we have you know for ourselves but to make ourselves slaves of Christ and one of the things you have to realize that Peter is doing Paul does as well is he calls us to live out the hope of the gospel uh, in situations that are, are going to be unfair mm-hmm. and in situations that are going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. And, and rather than challenging the unfairness of the moment and the difficulty of the moment to allow that to be a moment when Christ mm-hmm. can be seen in you. Yeah. And you have the love. I mean, he's writing you know, to those who are exiles. You know, he says, but to God's elect, you know, exiled throughout all these provinces. And, and they would have they certainly been undergoing tremendous amounts of suffering and persecution and, and probably in a lot of ways, you know, just unfairly. And what he does is he reminds them of, of the gospel. He reminds them of the inheritance they have. You know, they, he reminds them of who God is, what God has done, and also their identity, that God has now set them apart as his chosen people mm-hmm. and, you know, a royal priesthood. And, and he uses all these Old Testament images to anchor them and to remind them that, you know, you are the people of God and God is doing a work in you. And, you know, therefore, live godly lives, you know, where you find yourself, mm-hmm. not not where you hope you, you know, you wish you were, not so that you can get back to the land in which you once lived. But wherever you find yourself now, God has given you everything you need to live, you know, a godly life there. And, and I love even, you know, we, we speak about it, and it's like one of those fam- favorite, favorite passages when it comes to apologetics. You know, always be ready to give a defense, you know, for the hope that you have. Mm-hmm. But I love what he says right before that is, you know, he, he says right before it, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord, mm-hmm. and then always be, you know, it's not just intellectually prepare defenses, you know, for right. the gospel. It's set apart Christ as Lord, revere him, worship mm-hmm. him, and, you know, be prepared to give a defense. And very interesting in the original language in your heart, uh, make Christ holy as yeah. your Lord. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we often think about his sanctifying work, you know, in us, which he has set us aside for himself. And uh, this is taking the same kind of language and calling us to set him aside as as the one who is our lord and is the one who is the ruler of our hearts uh, hearts and minds mm-hmm. and so it is a you know it is an invitation into uh, ragged circumstances in order to live compelling and holy lives and of course you know, the same thing that applies to women should you know apply to men that your adorning is not your fancy clothes or your great car or the possessions that you have but it's the kind of life you know that honors god and, and there's that nice little line in there, you know, two two women that you may win your husbands, you know, without a word. And in other words, your life is a demonstration of the gospel. And of course, he is not at all, you know, telling us not to use our words because mm-hmm. he is asking us to be ready to give an answer mm-hmm. for the hope yeah. we have. But before we give an answer for the hope we have, we have to live with hope. Mm-hmm. And that is the call that you know Peter is giving us is to live with hope in a in a ragged world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we haven't touched on it, but if you get to verse 19 in chapter 3 and, and you keep reading and you're wondering what in the world is Peter talking about, pretty much every commentator asks the same question. I, I think it was Martin Luther one time I read. I was just curious to see what people were saying, and Martin Luther was like, this is the one passage in Peter where I'm not really sure what he's actually saying. And, and there's a lot of different interpretations, you know, and, and so just 
it's a good reminder to us that we're going to read passages in scripture that are difficult to understand. It doesn't mean that we can't seek to understand them mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that there isn't sense to be made of those things. All scriptures got breathed, you know, but um, it, it's just a, if you read it and it keeps going and, you know, this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. And you kind of wonder, is it baptism that saves us? You keep reading. He says, he actually goes on to kind of clarify, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So there's hard passages that we read. But it's, it's the pledge of a you know, clear conscience. And of course, when he talks about proclaiming, you know, the gospel to the souls in captivity, uh, you know, the gospel has, all, has been proclaimed, you know, to all people through creation and through conscience. Uh, and all people have, you know, a chance to respond. But having seen who Jesus is, there is the gospel clarity. And so even those, you know, from old that have never seen him will see him. And, and for many, it will verify their faith. And for many, it will be a point, you know, of, con- of condemnation. Uh, so it is, a, it, it is a fun passage. And, uh, <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you've called us to rise above our circumstances and to live lives in such a way that they become a compelling testimony to those around us. We have our hearts set on uh, the ideal. Uh, You have our hearts set on you. And may our hearts and minds be set on you. And may whatever our circumstances, whatever comes our way, whether it's just or unjust, may we be a reflection of your heart and character. We thank you that you suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow in your footsteps. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.